Welcome to the Workplace Chameleon. This is Dr. Selena Pierman. I hope your day is going well. So for this episode, I want to share with you a recent conversation and training that I was asked to participate in and design and deliver and maybe give you some things to think about when it comes to what pushes us, what prompts us to do something different than we've done before. And this topic was around ethics. And it was interesting to get the request because while I have taught some business ethics courses along the way in my 27 years of, I guess, official professional work at the undergraduate and graduate levels, really think about we've lived it professionally. I've had some conversations with team members about ethics. I've been involved in company conversations about values. But what ethical decision-making processes actually look like in our teams. And because I love behavior, I love trying to figure out how we operate in this context, the choices we make, the behaviors we exhibit, conscious or subconscious, how we interact with that. I I did some digging. So I pulled some peer-reviewed journal articles. I was looking to see what else was being talked about out there in the professional workplace ethics conversations. And then I took it and combined it with talking to this HR group, human resources professionals group, and tried to figure out, okay, what can I stir up? What can I bring them? And what do I want them talking about? And what would be important for me to hear from them? I started them off with two questions. Well, several questions. What are some of the most difficult ethical situations you've encountered? And are the decisions you are making now similar or different than in previous years in HR? And then I did pose an additional set of questions around the conversations. What conversations is your organization having right now about ethics? And do you think that conversation or action plan will change soon and under what circumstances? And we gave some time and discussion around what's going on in our companies right now about how we take care of people. And yet when we have people perform not performing, what does that look like? Do we hang on to them because we need them? But if they're not performing... What other kind of damage does that do? And when you think about ethics, they are designed, by definition, it's the moral principles that govern a person's behavior or when they're conducting an activity. And when the world seems to be placing upon us endless amount of messages about what is right, what is true, what is fact? What is fake news? I don't know, right? There's just so many things coming at us. So we had some time around influencing external factors. So what's influencing our decision-making ability when it comes to ethical or moral choices? And we talked some about that wider society 
communication channels, 24-hour news cycle, instant access to everything. We also talked about unclear boundaries, governments and regulation, even just the changing nature of relationships between organizations, competition and collaboration, where we've got complex relationships with other companies where you might be a customer in one part of your business, but you're a competitor in another part where you might be a vendor or a contractor for another organization. Again, because of that relationship, I work with two organizations and I have to be really, really careful. I do more work with one than the other, but I've had to be really careful because these two have this complexity in their relationship. They're both competitors, they're uh, collaborators, they are vendors, they share information, they're customers of each other. So our relationships have gotten more complex. And what I would say we also added to that, what are some of those influencing external factors would be polarizing positioning, where we are not very good in our world right now about middle ground. It's one end or the other end of that pendulum swing. So then we brought that conversation in-house into our organization. What are we learning right now from our culture, our climate? How do we have to collaborate across the organization? How are we choosing what's important based on business strategies or how we help leaders make good judgments and decisions and prioritization around this body of work that they've got to get done? But that all has to happen in what I'm calling hypertime. In this instant, you should have read my mind before my customer called me right? I should have known my customer was going to call me before they actually did. This hyper time, it's all got to be done now on top of just changing roles and responsibilities. When we're having to redesign work because of the people we have and really thinking about what work has to get done and who's going to do it. So it just, it led me to understanding that you know, we talk about a culture shift being having to be a long-term, invasive, pervasive initiative that if we're going to shift a culture, it's going to take five to seven years and a tremendous amount of effort in an organization. I came back to the word scaffolding within the ethics conversation. And scaffolding, if we think about it in a construction setting, right, is is a grid of uh, structural pieces that help us get height and width in order to um, support and build on or off of that or access what we're building in order to keep it steady, sturdy, and safe. And one of the frustrations I've had over the years as I tie this back into ethical training within organizations is that for very well, good, meaning intentions, companies will put employees through a computer-based training for one hour on ethics and make it required once a year And you get employees who are clicking through. And again, I love computer-based training for many, many things. But I've always had a concern with you put somebody in front of a computer and you put them in front of information and scenarios they have to answer. And you try to teach ethics, 
And yet my concern is that really doesn't change behavior. What could that look like? So in our organizations, I think about the external voices that we're hearing. What is happening um, that your organization is experiencing from the outside? I think about internal voices, all those key people, priorities, body of work, hyper time, collaboration, roles and responsibilities. What are the messages your team is getting inside the organization? And then how do we help them decide in that moment? Because while the computer-based training can be very helpful just to give consistent information out to everybody, what I really want us to move the conversation to is I want a team leader to be able to sit down with his or her, their team, and say, you know what, let's, let's talk about some of the most difficult situations we run into in this department where we're not clear on where the boundaries are. I want a leader to sit down and say, let me tell you about one of the hardest ethical decisions I needed to make in my career and what I learned from it. It's those stories that are going to actually get us some behavior change because it's a nudge. Behavioral nudges are really suggestions or reminders, even some gentle prodding towards better choices, better decisions, if you will. What's healthy, what's moral, what's responsible, what's ethical. And in doing the research for that HR group, I came across a a new-to-me person, an author, actually a Nobel Prize winner for economics. So I love reading other disciplines, and I don't do it enough because it just opens up lots of doors. And the concept of a, a workplace nudge originated in government public policy sector. And it was developed by this American behavioral economist, Richard Thaler, who uh, in 2008 um, did some fantastic writing around nudges. And it actually then got him to that Nobel Prize later uh, because of his work and what has now become nudge theory dynamics. Oh, so I'm so intrigued. And I'm, I've still got so much to learn on this, but it tied me back to the scaffolding piece that if we want employees at all levels, in all roles to make better decisions in the moment, we really need a scaffolding of nudges. What are the things we can plant within our organization that's going to set expectations around behavior, give people the resources, and then nudge them at the right moment? I also think beyond external and internal voices, I consider leadership and government governance within an organization. How are our people getting messages from our leaders about what's right or wrong? How are they getting messages about how we do business here? And there are times where I'm in organizations and there's an absolute disconnect between what senior leadership is saying and what people in uh, frontline positions are feeling. I want to make sure, again, under a scaffolding idea that we get that pervasive and invasive across an organization about what we believe here and how we live it. Now, if senior leadership isn't doing it, but 
frontline leadership is a little bit different than my first scenario, then we've got to have some conversations around what does this look like to be consistently sending the same messages about how we, what we value here and the choices we make that guide our moral principles around behavior. I also do, just in my role as an organizational psychologist, when I'm training and when I'm learning and listening with companies, what's their legacy history and culture do to shape their scaffolding around ethical decision-making? So legacy, right? What has been long-standing in the company? Are there events that have shaped or changed the way they view ethical decision-making or their moral values as an organization? What's their history and their culture doing now to shape who we are and what we believe in within this organization? True story, I got called into an organization this year to meet with the president CEO. And I walked in and they had done a stunning redesign of this front of the building and some expansion. And it was just beautifully done. And I knew I couldn't take out my cell phone and take a picture of it. Uh, but God, I so wanted to, because up on their wall, as what happens within many companies, they posted their values, what they believe. And the picture I really wanted was the fact that this organization is part of their company values listed, don't be a jerk. And I loved it. You know, I, I love some, I love creative approaches. I love a good sense of humor, humor. And there was, don't be a jerk as a company value. And I thought it was fantastic. Well, I got asked to come have that conversation uh, with that president CEO and this person said to me, oh, we're having a hard time living those values. And not just the, the one I mentioned, but all of them. He's, the leader said, you know, I, it, we're just not feeling it. We're just not living those values. And I think it's so important for us when our employees are getting so many. Oh, okay. Can I just put an emphasis on that? So many messages from our wider society through communication channels, unclear boundaries, governments and regulation, competition, collaboration, and polarizing positions. When so many messages are coming from outside of our organization, I think right now as a company, we have to be even more crystal clear than ever. Than ever. What does that actually look like? So we've got some decision points as leaders to make. We need to understand what our absolutes are. What are our negotiables and our non-negotiables? So as a leader, as an influencer, even as an individual contributor, as a professional, I want you to be clear on what your absolutes are. Now, I do not say absolute from a, a stubborn perspective, but we're talking about ethics. The behavior choices you make or are not willing to make. What are your boundaries? I want you to have guideposts. So guideposts, as compared to absolute, guideposts are really like touch points. They are clear markers that give your employees reinforcement 
to handle situations that are not they are not necessarily trained for. This would be adaptability and critical thinking skills. Uh, by the way, our top two training topics at the moment for all employee sessions. Guideposts give employees critical thinking skills that in the moment they have to make a choice for a customer or on a project or with a patient and they make the right choice because they've had enough guideposts along the way that even if this specific situation was not mentioned, they have enough information and learning to go on that helps them make a good choice in that moment. I mentioned the nudges by from Thaler's work. And I really view that and the reading I was doing around what is called choice architecture. In that moment, what will nudge me to make a better choice? I think we've all done that in our own personal lives growing up. Uh, if you've chosen to parent, you've probably spent many, many hours hoping your teenagers were being nudged in the right moment to make a better choice. Right? If you ask my, my own family, I've said for years, hey, stay safe and make good choices. I also said, I trust you. I just don't trust everybody else around you. Right? So in that moment, what will nudge you? What is part of your choice architecture that you're clear on your absolutes, you know your guideposts, which are your values, your markers, the things we've not necessarily trained you for, but then what will be that nudge? What will be that something that will help you make a choice? And then even out of this point four on decision, decision points would be gaps. Where are your gaps right now within your organization? Where are we just not having conversations? We've not been clear about it. And start there. Where are those gaps? Some of the action steps I think about for us as professionals and some of the ones that I shared with the HR group that day, we have to renew our commitment to this as professionals and leaders. We need to communicate our expectations and model it, yet also explain it. Okay, we're going to do a different episode around model and explain, but you can't just model it. People won't necessarily know what they are looking at if you don't explain it. I can conduct myself in a certain way, and certainly certain messages will become clear to people around me. But if I explain it, or if I share it, or I, I help them understand why I do what I do, they're going to learn more. In our ethics conversations around what we value and how we behave here, we need to give real life examples. We need to offer meaningful training. We need to create pathways for safe reporting. We need to manage performance expectations around this. We need to give people those clear parameters and then the scaffolding for that choice architecture so they can do their best work. And if they choose not to, we need to be clear on what ramifications are. We need to reward people for making great ethical decisions and share when we can how those decisions were made and what the outcome was. I do think in our work, we can identify those boundaries, 
Some of the other areas that tie to my practice right now around this, we're looking at boundaries, we're looking at stretching critical thinking skills and perspectives. We're working on improving judgment and decision-making. We look at training and conversations around building conflict resolution pathways, developing leaders at all levels, and increasing innovation and problem-solving skills. Those have been key themes that I am seeing right now in companies that I'm having conversations with. There's an interesting set of discussions out there based in some of the peer review literature that look at the fact people are not nearly as ethical or as rationable, rational, excuse me, or reasonable as they like to believe. Bias blind spot is a thinking error that often, if we have it, it's just that we see ourselves as less biased than other people. Maybe today with this investment of time that you've taken with me to share some of this with you, I want you looking for those blind spots. I want you looking around your organization, your team, for those absolutes, guideposts, nudges, and gaps. I want you considering... What are the voices? What are the influences to your team or to people around you or you, right? You don't even have to have a team for this. What are the things that are influencing the choices you're making at work? What are those boundaries? What are those principles that are governing your behavior that you've said, this is what I value and this is how I choose to interact within this system? I want us to have this conversation and I want you to have some reflection time on it when the pressure is not on. When we get into those stressful moments where we have to make a really hard decision, I don't want you figuring out what you value in that moment or what your boundaries are or what your ethics are that guide you. I want you to do it before you get into that situation. Take a few minutes. What are your absolutes? What are the guideposts you use to keep you on track, your values or your markers? How do you handle situations that you've not necessarily had before or trained by? Where are the gaps that right now you're not clear on or your team? And what are those nudges? How can you create some scaffolding around you and your team and your organization that not only have values posted on the wall, but discussions about programs for training with real examples of pathways for safe reporting, communicating expectations, renewing our commitment to doing this better. Okay, workplace chameleon people, we got this. Let's make improvements and move forward. Thanks for taking the time with me today. We'll see you next time.